Welcome to Impact, where we help you grow a business that amplifies your unique genius, multiplies your income, and transforms lives. Each episode, you'll discover actionable strategies and frameworks that are working right now for top brands and thought leaders. In this episode, I talk with Christine Kane about how to balance strategy and soul in your business. We also talk about the Colby A assessment and why it's a great tool for hiring and understanding your clients better. And we talk about Christine's framework for making intuitive decisions. Well, hello, hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of Impact. I'm your host, Jason Van Orden. I work with thought leaders like you to help you package up your expertise into new scalable streams of income so that you can reach more people, so that you can take your income higher and have that bigger impact that you want to have in the world. And today on this episode, I interview business coach and CEO of Uplevel U, Christine Kane. Christine has created a process for growing your business with a balance of strategy and soul or intuition. I was excited to record this interview with Christine, given that just like me, she was a musician turned entrepreneur. She was a songwriter and performer for 15 years before starting her coaching business. As a musician, she sold over 100,000 copies of her seven CDs and shared the stage with luminaries such as John Mayer, Nancy Griffith, and Sean Colvin. And I love that her coaching business emerged organically just as people started asking how she had built her successful music career. So she started coaching them and and next thing she knew that was building and building became her primary pursuit. She's also the author of The Complete Guide to Vision Boards and her most recent book, The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur, an unconventional success plan for the highly creative, secretly sensitive, and wildly ambitious. To use her words, The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur shows you how to have success when your strength is more about sensitivity than swagger, and when you're moved by meaning more than manipulation, which is totally speaking my language. So with that, let's go ahead and dive right into the interview with Christine. Hi, Christine, and welcome to Impact. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. So this is going to be, I'm, I'm, we're going to enjoy this conversation. I think there are definitely a lot of things I want to dive into with you. Um, as my audience knows, I'm really into frameworks. You've got some wonderful frameworks we're going to talk about today, and we'll let people know where they can also get more of those from you. You've got a musician background, as do I. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, and, and then you, you also like to think about strategy, as do I. So a lot of good stuff for us to to get in here um, today. I want I want to start out I mean, I'm just curious to hear as somebody else, I mean, we we're just talking before we hit record that you like to like break it down into the pieces and parts for your mastermind and give them these tools that they can pull out and use. I mean, they're clearly made as tools to use on a regular basis, to make a decision, to set your intention, to understand a, a thing. And as so as clear as somebody else like me who enjoys thinking in that way and helping your clients think in that way, uh, I'm, this is kind of a personally curious question, but I think it'll be illustrative for those listening as well as to, you know, how did that become an important part of how you teach, advise, and and guide people through through frameworks? Honestly, I think a lot of it is because I was so bad at running a business when I started, and I my business started 
as a musician. So I was running my own record label, managing myself, being an agent. And I thought I was under the illusion (laughs) that I was just going to, you know, build it and they will come and I would get discovered. And when I realized, oh man, I'm going to have to have a business that supports all this. Mm -hmm. It was such new territory for me. And I was such a right brain creative type that learning was real, real hard. And what I found with people who are really wired strategically and just do this stuff automatically, they would just talk louder when I didn't get something. Mm. And so I didn't, when people started asking me as my business succeeded as a musician, people started asking me like, how did you do this? And I could see myself in them. And so it was real important for me that they didn't feel the way I did, like just Mm. completely splattered out and blown apart. And I think the first thing I ever created, I, I was teaching, I I started teaching um, a little coaching class while I was still a musician because people kept asking for this. And I didn't even know what a webinar was, a teleseminar or any kind of launch, but I, it was still the early, you know, mid two thousands. And I created this thing that I did every single Sunday to kind of align myself for the week. And it's called the Sunday Summit. And it's in my book Mm. that you talked about. But And I gave it the name Sunday Summit. I gave it a really strong framework. And people would come to the calls and they started talking about this thing like, oh, the Sunday Summit. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh, what is that? Oh, that's that thing I gave them. And I realized how important it is for our brains, especially when we're learning something at first to have those steps to follow. Like it, it has to be linear. Even if you become someone who can completely improv, eventually everything has to start with scales and metronome and, you know, to use the, you know, the music thing. Yeah. And then years after doing that, it becomes just part of your repertoire. You just do it. You don't have to think about it as much. Not that you don't go back to scales and metronome, but it. I, I just think a really strong framework and really clear steps is how we get out of overwhelm and how we learn something new. And we have to go slow at first and it has to be tedious at first. Then we can master it. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. I mean, I, it's... It's something that I talk about uh, a lot on this show, and and for many of the reasons that you've you've shared there. But I, I like having you know, your your perspective on that about the importance of having these frameworks. And it's, it sounds like um, they latched on to you were giving them a vocabulary as well to describe these things that they needed to do or how they need to do that. And I remember reading somewhere I can't remember what book it was I was reading, but it really hit me profoundly. Where it's like you know one of the best gifts you can give as a leader is to give people vocabulary to describe their own circumstances mm-hmm. and understand them better and have an awareness and then navigate those circumstances and that vocabulary. And sometimes you just give them that, like, it's a, like you made a Sunday summit, but clearly they were like, yeah, Sunday summit. And they started like <laughs> mirroring that thing back to you and you're like, Oh, I'm on. Okay, great. Well, it's called the Sunday summit. Now let's, um, so yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Um, anyway, I wanted to, to dive in that right up front as my own curiosity, but I think there's some interesting things there for for people to pull away. Now I want to go back and and talk. You you you've touched now briefly on your your music background, and anybody listening to the show knows that I also come from a music background. I learned I enjoy and am good at marketing back when I needed to get people to buy my CDs and show it to my shows <laughs> and grow my email list and and things like that, and. I'm curious to know how you see that music background playing out in your 
in your business now, how it's maybe contributed to the unique genius that you, you know, you, your, your talents that maybe you were using in this one context. Now you've applied them into a new context. And I ask that just because I, this is something I encourage my clients and my listeners to do to like to recognize, yeah, those pieces that they're bringing forward from their experiences, from their story and how they do contribute and maybe give a unique perspective to what they do these today. And so I'm curious how you see that playing out in your own work. It's such a good question. Um, I think where I would start would be the actual, for me, um, learning how to write a song the first mm. times. I mean, when I, I, a lot of what I try to do with people. So I, I talk about like the strategy track and the soul track of having a business. And that I would say birthed from the fact that when I wrote a song, when you write a song, a lot of people want to think it's all one way or another. You're either like letting it all just arise and waiting for the muse. And then you can write with other people who are, let's get an outline. You know, if you co-write in Nashville, we know exactly what the song's going to be about. We enter with the left brain. It's the same thing in, in business. Some people do it differently. And when I first started writing songs, I was trying real hard to be a left brain writer because that's what all the teachers in books are about mm. is here's how songs work. And the first time I actually wrote a, what I would say is a, I'm, I'm not going to say good song, like, you know, Oh, it's ready for the radio. But where I really felt like I got it, mm -hmm. I I sat down and it it kind of came. It, I'm not going to say it came up like, oh, it appeared as in like divine intervention. It wasn't that. It was that I provided a space. I worked with the the things that were coming to me. I and and the song was slow and very uh, just wasn't left brain. And I think that started to inform me in terms of how I run a business, how I work with people, how I see a lot of my clients operating. And I've realized that we have that one foot in the strategy track because I had to go back and edited that song. I had to go back and make sure it wasn't just all fluffy, you know, and, and very intuitive. It has to have a structure. It has to have a rhyme scheme. It has to, you know, flow so a listener can hear it. So with business, why I think strategy and soul was so important is be kind of based in how I grew a music business, how I marketed a music business, how I let that inform everything I did. Mm -hmm. Does that know, make sense or is that completely? No, yeah. Well, I think that's a really <laughs> interesting analogy there, right? Because I remember when I first started writing songs, I happened to be also studying guitar at the same time as my engineering. So my school had a guitar degree I was getting at the same time as my music degree. So I was learning all the theory and all the scales. And that is like the tech and music has a very like technical mathematical side to it, which people might not always realize because it, totally we see it as such a creative from our soul, you know, feeling kind of thing. Right. But there is interesting analogy there with business and an important one, I think, for people to, to think about, because when we're learning business, especially when we're paying, you know, people are out there trying to sell us things to help us with their business. I think they'd like to think that it's like, look, just buy my formula, buy my scale. I'll teach you the scale and that's all you need to know. And then you can go and do all the things that I've been able to do with that scale or mm -hmm. just, you know, get this one thing. Whereas really in my, when I think about my process of songwriting, I would go and I would learn, say these scales, or I'd learn about a new like Mixolydian mode or something that has yeah. a different sound. And oh, if I want to give it an exotic sound, I might choose a different mode. And then I would go to my band and I would try applying it. 
And, but it was only in the application of that rule that then I started going, oh, okay, it doesn't really work when I do it that way. Oh, but I kind of like how this sounds or that's, you know, and then eventually I write, and like I try to write a song using a new piece of information and I kind of, you know, that you could call like that mathematical principle, but it wasn't until just kind of diving in and also applying my own intuition and, and gut to that. And maybe that's also why you like formulas or I'm sorry, frameworks, because I, I like to say, it's like, look with frameworks, we got 80% of the thing, you know, the rules and the principles and the foundations that these are work, these work, these are the best practices. This is what people experience more experience than I have said work for them, but then always leaves that room for that 20% of we'll say artistry, I guess, of who you yeah. are, your strengths, your values, where you want to go, how you want to show up in the world. And so I never thought about that, but it's really, I think, a nice analogy between learning music and, and doing, applying to songwriting and learning business and applying to your own business and life. Yeah. And I, I think all of it has kind of informed that as well. And I do love a good framework and I do, um, I think part of why songs are such a great thing is that you have so much structure. You know, right. writing my book, and I know there's structure in a book, but I, you know, I've written tons of songs and I remember getting all dramatic, like, oh, this song took me three weeks to write, three mm -hmm. whole weeks. And then mm -hmm. I'm writing a book going, oh God, songs are like, you have all this built-in structure and rhyme and everything. It was such a different thing. And I found that I had so much more like there was freedom in the structure of that. Mm. With the book, it was almost like you, when you begin there's so that yes, there's structure, but at first there's just so much freedom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it can be a little much. So both work together. Yeah. Yeah. So you've mentioned the strategy track and the soul track, mm -hmm. and I'd like you to elaborate if you could a little bit more on that and kind of what each of those tracks are and why they're both important. Sure. So I think strategy is what most people think of when they think about business. And when I'm talking mm -hmm. about strategy, I'm not talking about your overall strategy of your business. I'm sort of, this is my way of describing to people how business works for them. So when, when I describe it, it's like strategy, that's everything I'm teaching in terms of how you sell, how you set up an email campaign, how you write your copy, how you hire people, how you create systems in your business, how you price yourself. But what I tell my clients and, and see time and time again is that when a strategy isn't working, when a business is veering off, when someone's not getting things done, the real challenges that we face in our business are in what I call the soul track. Mm. And it doesn't mean it's woo. It doesn't mean I'm talking about lighting candles and burning incense. When I talk about the soul track, it's what I call the soft stuff, the mindset, the patterns that we've created in our life over over years and years of reacting to things and not having the tools to deal with things. So a, an example might be everyone knows they can take a pricing course and how to price their packages, how to set pricing strategies up really well. But if you have somebody who has self-worth issues or doesn't quite understand other people or the psychology behind value, that's where they're going to be completely flummoxed. Mm. And so when I'm teaching, I'm always got one foot in, e in each track so that that person, if that's where they're going to struggle, they can really look at their blocks, their obstacles to getting to the, to really understanding how to put a, a higher price tag on them. So they're not just tolerating a business where they're running around working 24 seven and understanding, you know, a, a more strategic way of doing things they'll discover sometimes that they're, they're 
low self-worth or old negative thoughts or beliefs are what's really running the show. Mm -hmm. And I think both are important to keep an eye on and a one foot in, I describe, as you're building a business, as you're growing a business. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, when you, what is the, because it feels like the soul side of things is where there is a lot of um, internal stuff. And so it, it depends on one's own awareness yes. of what's coming up or going on for them. Yes. What, how, how do you think entrepreneurs, and, and, then, and then at the same time, like we talk about the importance of coaches and mind, masterminds and things like that, because we do have our blind spots. We do have our, where we're too close to it. As human so beings, <laughs> we all have our yeah. cognitive biases that lead us to make decisions that aren't the best or most efficient or whatever it might be. But what, how do you think we can develop that, uh, that, uh, that ability to recognize the soul track and maybe when we need to step more of a foot into it or, or take that track and I don't know if I'm using the analogy the right direction, but, or like, you know, you take it in a certain direction as to not lose sight of the soul side. Cause it, I know as an engineer, I love it when people are like, Oh, just do this and you'll get this answer. Right. And that feels yeah. really good sometimes, but then it can totally ignore what's actually going on internally for me. I'm just, so I'm just kind of curious what you might share with people to help them balance those two sides or to know it's like, okay, the, the soul track needs some more attention here or, um, you know, yeah, that's own a, that awareness. That's a tough one. I think a lot of it speaks to experience. Like you described, you know, your, your mixolydian scale and bringing it to the band and, and then tweaking a song, like all of that was your experience of dealing, you know, bringing a strategy, a new strategy, a new tactic into your world. And you started, I'm I'm guessing that in those times you would run up against a part of you that said, well, that's not working. And some people would say that's not working and you suck, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever, like their Mm -hmm. voices start to take over. And that's usually when, when the way I really speak to you know, understanding where, you know, being able to be self-aware is watching where your stuck spots are, watching where your pain points are, because usually that's going to tell you either you have a marketing problem, a sales problem, strategy problem, or we have a mindset problem or mm-hmm. some kind of issue with your own like personal, I'm just going to use the word energy because I live in Asheville, we can do that. But right. like your <laughs> own, uh, your own, what might be called like a energetically I talk about in the book chaotic vibration where your mind says one thing, but your entire being is completely holding you back, you know, Mm -hmm. like trying to press the gas and hold on the brake at the same time. And that's usually where that self-awareness becomes something you can no longer avoid. And when people like I have a, I have a high access program to, to me, it's that is done through Voxer and calls and that sort of thing. And the entrepreneurs who, reach out to me for that usually have very well established businesses, but they more often than not recognize there's something really inauthentic about what's going on. They feel really dragged down by it. They're really exhausted. They're, they're driven by that money thing, but something in them is just saying, ow. And mm. they, they don't want me to be a therapist because they don't want to like stop their business or anything, but we really start to work on what part of the business is holding, you know, where are you not being real where are you saying yes when you mean no and and that's the kind of stuff that really starts to come up it doesn't mean that the soul track prevents you from success sometimes it's like it's it's what starts talking when you're ready to really shift or pivot or whatever the cool kids are saying these days (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, this is making me think of even just something that last night, um, you know, I've been, there's a couple things in my business I've been really uh, thinking about in terms of what I'm going to focus on next. And it's a question we're always asking ourselves as business owners, like, what should I focus on now or next, given my resources and my goals? And how would, what's the best path forward? Yeah. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, like many of us, I had set a plan of what I was going to launch, when, which programs and how I was going to make up for my income and how I wanted to serve my clients and my students. And that, that plan, you know, necessitated that I would be launching a certain program actually this, this month. And I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, as I've kind of geared up to do that, there has been a lot of dissonance now. And it was really tricky because at first I thought, well, maybe there's just some kind of like sticking, is it a sticking fear in here that I need to, you know, process There's something about me that's shying away from stepping into whatever that would require of me or which, you know, sometimes that is, is the case, right? And, but then as I thought about it more last night, um, and I, you know, I was in the backyard watering the garden, it's perfect temperature out. So I don't know, maybe the environment was good for me just kind of like tuning into myself. I started, it was almost like I, like Jason, zoom out a little bit more and like, maybe that's not the right next move, even though that's what you decided back in January. And I certainly do try to trust my past self many times. Cause I think sometimes in a moment we start doubting ourselves. And it's like, look, you made this decision that you don't need to remake this decision, trust yourself, move forward. But in this case, I stopped and went, what if I don't need to launch this thing next? Mm-hmm. There are these two or three other opportunities that I keep going, oh, I'm going to get to those. I'm going to get to those. As soon as I launched this program, I said, I was going to talk, okay, I'm going to get to those. I'm going to get to those. And it was like, what if I don't launch that program right now? I give myself the space to focus on some of these other opportunities here that are some things that are actually working quite well for me, double down on those. I had no idea I would be doing those in January, right? They're, 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 these opportunities were the result of experimentation that has happened since I made my yearly plan. And so taking new information in and, and zooming out and going, okay, what if it's a different decision now than what I thought originally it was going to be? And I don't know, does that sound like kind of a, a that is ex- strategy? That is exactly it because you trusted the awkward feeling enough not to bombard it with the mental, like the mental activity. And what you're describing there is um, in, in the book, I have a certain segment where it's like insights are not like insights versus input. And what you described, the fact that you were watering the yard or you were standing outside or whatever, you were no longer obsessing. You were Mm -hmm. no longer thinking. There were no more shoulds in your head that said, by God, you had a plan and we're going to stick to that plan. And the, the gift of being able to navigate your business from both tracks, I'm not saying that one answer is right. What I do sense though, is that when you were talking about the change of decision, there was a sense of relief that you had like, oh, this Mm -hmm. feels right. Even though mentally, it doesn't seem right because I should stick to the plan and, you know, right. and all the things that we tell ourselves and that, that constant mental drive is what can really veer us away from a more uh, organic business, especially right now. Cause I really think that things are in a, in a real big state of flux and there are some mm-hmm. real deep changes that are happening. And we've just been given a year where there's been a lot of space for people to sit and not even think, just be with, Mm-hmm. Stuff. And mm-hmm. so I do think there's more and more people experiencing what you are, what you just described. And the fact that it's like, then you got that wisdom of these things are working really well. 
what is the and where I would go is like what is the real need there that mm. says I got to do something new I got to do something new because one of the you asked about self awareness one of the tools we use at at Uplevel my company is the Colby A index oh love Colby so, yeah okay so Kathy Colby you know I can see I can spot people's Colbys the instant they're mm -hmm. talking like I can feel that at work and entrepreneurs tend to be that third number on Colby, that high quick start, which is new ideas come. Improv is part of the deal. And and so being able to give space for that natural instinctive way of running your business is super important, especially for you since you're more established at stuff and you know yourself more well. And, and somebody who's more at the beginning of their business might have new idea, new idea, new idea, and they never go implement. That's a whole other thing. But it's that's that what you just described is really a process of working with yourself and exploring deeply. And I don't think enough people do that. What tends to happen is it's just all a drive forward. By God, we're going to do it. And we made a plan. And so therefore, that's going to happen. And I think that leads to a lot of unhappy businesses. Mm. And it's not to say you blow off the plan, but I do think you step back into relationship with the plan you made in January and yeah. say, what's going on? Maybe this could be delayed a little bit. Yeah. Ah, I love that. Uh, I'm curious, your Colby numbers. Do I'm you remember ridiculous. off the top of your head? I, of course I do. I use it all. I, I, we use it constantly. Like mm -hmm. it's not a sort of a side thing. Every one mm -hmm. of our clients takes it. So I am a 2204. Oh my goodness. We are I like, know. okay. So yeah, that's great. And, and if, for those who don't know Colby, definitely it's worth, it's worth checking out. Colby is with your team for yourself. Yeah. It, it, it helps you understand how you strive for things, how you try to accomplish problem solve the thing. Like if given a problem in a group, you know, some people will get in there with their hands and build a thing. Some people will sit there and get research. And so anyway, I am an eight, seven, three, two. Okay. So you and I are like polar opposites. Polar opposites. And yeah. actually I think it's wild because you're right. A lot of entrepreneurs and like my business partner in my last business, uh, you know, quick starts, right. Partners in my life, quick starts, and that's uh, great. I, I think why a lot of entrepreneurs do enjoy working with me as a strategist is because I am high on fact finder. I will go do the research. And if I give you an answer, you'll know mm -hmm. I went and did very thorough research about it. Right. At the same time, you know, I, I can be the brakes when they're the gas and they're like, okay, I might be able to go, okay, let's just pump the brakes just for a moment here. Okay. Now you totally. get the back your gas again. And it's really important to know those things about yourself. And as you were describing your style with music, I already kind of knew, oh, ah. high fact finder, high follow through. Like I could see yeah. your first two numbers so because true. the way I did it was really radically different. But what I love about it, and even if somebody is sitting here going, oh, God, will you guys stop geeking out on Colby's? <laughs> um, I don't know what they are. But the, what I love is that the way Kathy Colby created that whole system is that you honor how you are. Yeah. So if you look at a lot of organization books or productivity books, oftentimes they are written by somebody who is like a five fact finder, a six follow through mm. and a seven quick start. Like they've got the ability to navigate exactly what they're teaching. Whereas someone who is in, in my zone or your zone, which you have like super low, you know, not low. I don't like to use that word, but like yeah, you're not short gonna, and long or something short like that. And long, uh, she short doesn't like to, start. well, I like, I appreciate why it's because it right. doesn't want to make anyone bad. No. Yeah. Neither of them is bad. Just yeah. Different. They're both strengths. They're all strengths. And so 
you wouldn't identify with me saying like one of my songs, there's a line leap and the net will appear. Well, as a three quick start, that's not going to be your jam. Right. right. But, you know, but <laughs> I tend our clients at up level tend to be typically not all, not across the board, but they tend to be in that higher quick start range and lower fact finder range. And so that's where it's really, really important. And why I teach structure and strategy the way I do yeah. partly is geared toward the fact that I was so bad at it and, and I didn't mm. have those natural inclinations to find every fact and dig through stuff. And I've had to really strengthen that a little bit. But then as I started hiring a team, hire out, like we don't have anyone on our team who isn't a six or above on fact finder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's, right. It's a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are we doing now? No idea. I didn't read anything. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's also a good tool for you to understand your clients and it's a good tool mm-hmm. for you to understand other people. And um, cause my op- director of operations was almost identical to your uh, Colby's. Right. Mm-hmm. And he would get frustrated because he'd be like, why are they still writing in emails and asking questions? We sent them an email. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Our clients are not you. They did not read every they single word. They didn't read every single yes. thing thoroughly. They might need to be <laughs> told take three times. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so that that tool, I also, um, Enneagram is another tool we use just for, for people understanding who they are and why they have a business. So all of this, I, I try to teach as many structures and frameworks for that because it really matters because you are at the core of your company. Mm-hmm. Your, your energy, your mindset, your history, your values, everything, that's the core of this whole thing. And so therefore it really matters. And this is where self-awareness is such a key piece of running a business. So it sounds like uh, with this balancing of the strategy and soul track and knowing when to listen to your tuition over the plan or, you know, whatever the case may be, knowing when to go with your own rather than someone's even when they're in your face going, no, this is the formula. This is the formula. You got to do this. Like, you know, to have the go, no, I don't think that's what's for me. The thing to learn and develop over time is a certain uh, degree of, of trusting yourself, trusting your yeah. own intuition, which does come from experience, but then it also is part of that mindset side of things. And it's occurring to me that maybe one of the reasons these, these frameworks that, that you create are so helpful is because they, they help people see what it feels, tap into that intuition. So like you can put a page in front of them and give them certain questions or have them do this result and apply it to this thing. And then at the bottom and then go, oh yeah, that is how I feel. Or, oh yeah, that is what I'm thinking right now. Right. So it gives them that structure to tap into that intuition and then to apply it. And then hopefully as they do that, you know, like they might use your tool over and over and then maybe with time it just becomes internalized and they just start going, yeah, I think I trust myself to make these decisions in that way now. Like they might go through the five steps in an instant in their brain. Yeah, like, yeah it's decision B now. We got to move forward. Here we go. Um, and there's always going to be learning on stuff. It's not to say, you know, if someone brings an email to me and I say, trust your intuition, you'll learn how to write this. There, there are ways of sure. writing really good marketing copy. And, and that's re- very important. And I think you can learn from a lot of people on those things. But eventually you do find your own path with it. Um, with how you put together things or you hire out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hire, hire out the, the high to the high fact finders when you're, when you're short on fact finder, right? Yes, indeed. I'd I'd love to give people a taste of, of one of your frameworks here. Um, And I'm looking, I mean, there are a couple, there's so many that that are so good. You mentioned um, you know what, can we, can we talk about the decision filter? I think that one's, 
I mean, again, it's hard to choose because there's a lot of really interesting ones here, but we kind of touched on making decisions for your business. Recently, I've had episodes about strategy and how to make decisions at strategic points in your business. Um, so your decision filter, uh, I'm looking at it here in front of has, and we don't need to go through the whole thing, but there are 10 questions here. Um, maybe just tell us, and we can share a couple of the questions, but maybe just tell us a little bit about the purpose of the decision filter. It looks like it's a journaling process tool, right? Um, and maybe whether it's the genesis of this or just kind of you know how this came to be or, or what you see as purpose of this, and then we can share maybe a few of the questions here. Well, okay. So let me just first explain so people have a little bit of context yeah, here. Please. The The book is laid out in four parts. And the four parts are based in an acronym, and it's the acronym that we use at up level with our clients. And that ac that word, that little phrase is "I'm in," mm. and "I'm in" comes from me coaching so many people who were hoping someone else would deal with that part of their business, usually right. the marketing or the sales or whatever. And they would, they would have this illusion. And for me as a musician, it was like, Oh, I just want someone to discover me and I'm just going to be like all Madonna or something. And it yeah. just never worked that way. No. And even if you look at someone like a Madonna, they are pretty strong at business. They're very good at that, managing right. themselves. So I'm in means I lean in on my business. I am very present. And it's an acronym where it starts off with initiating intention. And then um, the M is for managing your power because after we initiate intention, we have to then live into that intention and manage ourselves as that's happening. And then the next I is interpreting experiences because mm -hmm. as things start to happen, you want to frame them in a way that is um, – based on a strong interpretation, not on an old pattern or negative, you know, negative thought system. And then the last section, what you're, what you're talking about here is decisions because all of our decisions then start the entire four parts over again, because the decisions lend themselves into new intentions. And so mm -hmm. decisions are pretty much what business owners do. You know, that's what we make. We, we are constantly making decisions. And so this is one of the parts of that section. I don't want it to be sound like I give a tool and now you're going to know how to make decisions. Right, right. It all kind of feeds itself. Sure. So the reason I did this is that so many people would show up for coaching calls and they would want me to tell them what to do. So every, like, just tell me what to do. Or, you know, should I do this? And I, all those kind of, as a coach, they always throw up red flags for me. And so the reason I created this is that I wanted people, and I know it's a very mental process, but often it's the mental process that begins us into like what you described. Suddenly you're watering your lawn and, oh, the insight comes. And so this is really just a jump. It's like a kickstart for that process to begin in your whole being. That's what I, that's what the decision filter tool is all about. And if you want to bring up any particular questions, I don't have it up on the screen. Right. So, no, yeah, I've got um, it here. Um, well, I, I like it. I mean, it, it is. It's like pulling out, yeah, the pieces that that might need to be at play as you make the decision, right? So what is my intention right now for my business? What okay, yes. What is the decision I'm considering? Which is seems like such an obvious, it's like when you're going to make a decision, it's funny that a decision sheet would say, what's the decision you're considering? But it's important to write it down, right? I well, think, because and, our and, brains, yeah, we tend to get very nebulous yeah. and very unclear. And the when we actually have to sit and write by hand, we suddenly realize, oh, that's not, that's actually not the decision. It's, it's right. this over here, you know, and right. it, 
we begin to start self-coaching, which is a really powerful thing to be able to do. But when everything's just in your brain floating around with everything else, we don't become as savvy with our own decisions and our own selves. So that's why I'm very, very I go back to the basics. And the reason we write down what our intention is, is because sometimes people will bring me a decision that's often left field when their intention was something totally different. And I want to make sure they're anchored still to that intention, whether or not the intention needs to change. Yeah. Well, hence the, the next question, how might the results of this decision contribute to my intention? And you might discover yeah. it's like, oh, actually, they have very little to do with each other. Oh, maybe I'm in left field here, right? Or well, a lot of times, client people will avoid, like their their intention starts to lead to something about to break, something not break good, like like a big thing is happening, right? And sometimes that big thing brings them up against. This is our soul track again. Mm. Suddenly they're scared. They're scared to be seen. They're scared to put themselves out there. They're scared to make money. And what they'll tend to do is go completely off the reservation. <laughs> like they right. just like, now I have a whole new idea. I'm going to do something completely different. And my job as a coach sometimes is to sort of call someone back to center and say, all right, is this part of the intention? Do we need to change the intention? So that's, that's again, it's really, really inspired and um, driven by that soul track because we want to make sure, like, I just want to ask some very, very left brain logical questions about yeah. it first, even though right. it may be an intuitive thing that's perfect. Uh yeah, so many good questions. We don't have time to go through all of them. I love the 10th no, one. What, I'm sorry. I, I just kind of went on a ramble there. No, no, that, no, that was perfect. I really love all the input. That's what I'm hoping for is this, you know, your, okay. your addition and insight. And then question number 10, what do I know that I'm pretending not to know? I mean, what a good question, right? It's a good question all the time. Yeah, yeah. it's um, that I did not make up. That's a common coaching question. And I don't even know where I first heard it. But what, it, you know, what do I know that I'm pretending not to know is often the thing that brings you right smack dab in front of like it what i call the soul track of business where you're avoiding you're you know there's some bigger truth that's coming to life here now and it's where you get it just opens up your brain into some bigger insights about you so that's just one of of the many frameworks that that you have and gives people a taste of, and I'm glad that you laid out kind of the four sections uh, of the book. And you know, anybody that's you know vibed with the th- stuff we've been talking about today, or would like to you know dive more into this, you know, the strategy part and the soul part and navigating both together, I highly recommend the book, uh, "The Soul Sourced Entrepreneur" is the name of the book again by Christine Kane. And in fact, if you go to soulsourcedbook.com, soulsourcedbook.com. You can get a toolkit, which has six of these frameworks. You just sign up with your email. One of them is the decision filter. Um, a number of other really cool ones there, too, that we just don't have time to, to go into right here. So I want to make that invitation for people to check that out as well. Again, if they're if they're vibing with this stuff that we're um, talking about here. Any last things that you'd like to, to share, you know, a parting word about the this topic of, you know, the, the strategy side, the strategy track, the soul track, the, you know, finding that trust in yourself and balancing the two? Well, for, first off, I also want to point people to, um, I have a podcast as well called the Soul Sourced Business Wonderful. podcast. And that's kind of right now for the first year I've decided I'm going to just have it be me. So I've been doing, we're coming up to the first year. I haven't done interview format yet. And it's kind of just snippet after snippet, mostly focused on the soul track of business. So that is out there as well. But no, I don't, I'm not a, um, <laughs> I'm not like a, 
billboard, hey, you can do it kind of a person. I right. really do believe that. I, I think if I said any any one thing I would say is um, one of what I call the soul rules at the, the, the new ops manual in the front of the book. And it is what I truly believe. And that is that your your business is your territory of and I'm going to say your soul's expansion, but really it's your expansion. And what that means to me and, and to, to many, many entrepreneurs is that all of everything that you're meant to learn right now is right there for the taking. No matter if you're facing big challenges, no matter if you're, you know, raking in the millions, all of it is there for your growth. And it's, it's, almost like you're in your own little Petri dish as an entrepreneur, because yeah. it's all contributing to ways that you're being called to expand. And that's why I love entrepreneurship so much because people who are really doing it with their eyes wide open are, you can, you can just tell there's a real sense of groundedness and centeredness mm -hmm. and confidence because they've navigated through so so many crap loads of things. Yeah. And it's, it's just wonderful to experience when you see someone who's really lived through it. Fantastic. So soulsourcedbook.com if you want to get the toolkit and check out the book and then also check out Soul Sourced Business Podcast. Clearly, if you're listening to this podcast, you enjoy listening to podcasts. So that's one thing to check out as well and get more of Christine's wisdom. Christine, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I just want to thank you for taking your time today to, to share your wisdom with us. Thank you, Jason. It was so great to be here. I, I'm, I'm grateful to finally have met you and to be here with you. That's it for this episode of Impact. Thank you so much for joining me. In the next episode, I speak with my friend, Caitlin Domner. And if you've ever wondered how you could hire a salesperson to sell your programs for you so you can focus more on the things that you enjoy doing in your business, then you definitely don't want to miss this conversation. Caitlin has helped build and manage sales teams for such people as Deepak Chopra. And she talks all about how you can do it too on the next episode. We'll talk to you then.